Welcome to the Christian Faith Center podcast. We're a church that meets in multiple different locations. If you want to know more about our church, just head to our website, experiencecfc.com. Thanks for joining us. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hope you're having an amazing day. want to welcome you to our second week of our podcast. And we don't have a name yet, but here we are. Nobody commented. Nobody cares about our name. Hmm. We need I'm, name ideas. Any ideas? Bizarre. Bizarre? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of life and leisure. Leisure and needs to be in leisure there. Leisure time. Yeah. That's been used. No. Whoops. Anyway, hey, so we are, we're here and we're, we talked last week about fasting food. And at Christian Faith Center, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. So last week was food. This week, we're going to be talking about technology, social media, and fasting some of these things. And so we're joined with Pastor Nathan, our Boise campus pastor. Hello. What is going on, Pastor Nathan? Excited to be here. Week number two. Week number two of life and leisure. We're putting a little bit of a stretch together. Yeah. Or a streak together. Is that what it is? Streak. Streaks. They're happening. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. Do we need to start over or we should? All right. We'll just continue. Anyway. Um, my name is Dan. I'm the online campus pastor, and we're joined with Sean Martin, licensed counselor, pastor, 80s Christian music aficionado. Yes. So, indeed. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Good. Thanks yeah. for joining us. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about the effects of technology on our culture, but I want to let you know this. If you got any comments, any questions, we'll do our best to get to those comments. Um, saw a few few last week, just from, I got it, I wrote it down, Natasha and Jane, thanks for commenting, just saying thanks. Um, also, um, Lisa, your question about um, my skincare routine, I'm just kidding, that wasn't a question. <laughs> um, but, but hey, we'll just get right into it, kind of talk a little bit about technology and um, some of the effects, and I want to kind of get into the psychology of it, and so that's why you're here today, Sean, is to be the brains when, when we can't really fulfill that part. Um, but maybe you could just talk about your line of work and how you got into it and, and, and how you got started with that. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite a, quite a journey because, uh, I was a pastor for many years. I pastored in uh, Long Beach, California, and, uh, as well as, uh, the big city of Melba, Idaho. At oh. one <laughs> point, that place is just huge. Yeah, easily yeah. to get lost. <laughs> um, so I've been a worship pastor, I've been a youth pastor, and, and those kind of things. And and uh, we did a building project in Melba. I want to kind of quicken. I don't want to take up time, but we did a building project in Melba, and the project was over in 04. And it's like, well, I didn't feel like there was anything left for me there. So I stayed on for a couple more years, which was a mistake. <laughs> so when God tells you it's time to go, then you should go. And uh, so then I, uh, I was a janitor for a year, and uh, I got to uh, enjoy that because you're not responsible for anything except keeping things clean. And in that time, uh, I finished my counseling degree. So I graduated in 2009 with that. Uh, my emphasis was school counseling. So uh, I did some internships in middle school and elementary school, and uh, could not find a job in 2009. Um, that's kind of when things did a downturn, if you might recall. And so I ended up doing another internship even after graduation in prison because my wife worked in prison. She's like, well, why don't you do it? You're just sitting around. Why don't you do something? So it's like, well, okay, I'll go do that. And I ended up uh, becoming uh, my career. So I did uh, work in prisons as a clinician at 
almost any of the prisons you can name, uh, Max, the yard, the farm. These are these are terms we use that uh, the offenders use to describe where they're at. I'm at the farm. I'm at the yard. Uh, and so I've worked at all of them, including women's prison. Uh, I did that for nine and a half years, and then I felt like the Lord was moving me on uh, to something else. And so it's like, well, what else do I do? I know prisons, uh, so where else can I go? You know, and I wanted to kind of stay within the state and so the Lord opened up a door at uh, Health and Welfare, and so I'm a clinician there at this time. Um, so I've, I've had a, a very kind of a different kind of uh, upbringing in counseling. And, uh, you know, things we did in prison were very quick, very fast. What do you need right now? How can I help you right now? What's, what's your anxiety? What, what can we do about your anxiety right now? What can we do about your depression right now? What can we do about your suicidal thoughts right now? So we'd have to really jump in and, and move quickly with things like that. So... You know, folks that tell me, oh, I've been in therapy for, for years, you know, and like, wow, I mean, that must be amazing. I don't know how that works because, you know, the only kind of counseling I've done, and I've been in counseling myself uh, at one time. So even that is like, okay, help me out and let's get going and let's get moving. So uh, when it comes to these kind of things, you know, I'm, I'm very solution focused and want get, to get it done, see what we can do quickly. Yeah. I love that your experience you know, is also in the ministry as well too, you know, with people. And I think that brings, you know, so much, um, uh, I, I guess just depth to your line of work when you, you know, can look at, you know, the science and the, you know, the physiology around what's going on in the mind and all of that, but also, you know, the spiritual side of things. And, and, um, and I think that brings a lot of, a lot of wisdom, you know, that, that you have in, in your line of work, um, so that's that's really cool. Tell us a little bit about a little bit more. Maybe you can expound. I, I'm so interested. You know what that what that would look like in prison. You know, on like a on an average day. You know, for what what you can share, I guess with with the general public. What what would what did that look like for you to be a clinician in prison? Well, uh, it varied from from the levels of custody. You know, um, and using the word offender could be offensive. So I I want to back up and. You know, inmate might be a better term or, you know, prisoner. I, I'm not sure. But uh, working at Max was very much through the door. So people were, you know, they're locked. It's high security. Um, people are there because oftentimes we're afraid of them and we want to be safe. So a lot of our work is done uh, in, in safe environments like through the door, uh, you know, or, you know, they put them in a place where, you know, there's like a cage and it sounds very inhumane, and it is. I, I hate it. Um, but that would be where we'd work with them. Um, lower levels of custody, I mean, I did sex offender groups at what's called the farm, which is minimum custody. Um, there you're face-to-face. You're talking to people. You're, you know, you're working in a group setting. Um, the same as South Boise Women's, where it was a lot of groups, um, working with grief and loss and stress management, things of that nature. Um, done mostly in groups, though we did do some counseling one-to-one. Um, but you're always aware, you know, of safety and security and, and you want to make sure that, you know, you're above reproach at all times. Right. So um, it was very uh, challenging. Uh, it was never a dull moment. Um, sure. There's a lot of things that go on that uh, I know I, I, I'm, how do you want to say, I'm, I don't want to say I'm scarred, but at the same time, there are things that have challenged me to uh, not, not be cynical because, when you're in that environment all the time, it's very negative and you, you kind of develop a negative view of people. It's like people are problematic. People have all these issues. People have all this stuff. 
And so, you know, thank God, you know, Jesus is the one that revives us and refreshes us. And being in his presence is what has kept me, you know, and the ability to do that for almost 10 years um, in that environment. It was, it was the Lord. There's no, no question about it um, because I would bring people to him because I knew I can't help this person. You know, even though I'm there to help, really, there's not much I can do. And I, I'm bound. I can't share Jesus. You know, I, I'm, I'm working for the state. I can't, you know, I just can't go, hey, you, you really need to get saved. You know, that's what, you know, if you, you just, Jesus. if you just, yeah. you know, and you don't want to bring like a, you know, like a track in there and kind of you know, shove it under the door. But no, you can't do those things. So mm-hmm. um, I felt, you know, my prayer time was very much, you know, away from that um, where I would pray for them um, and when I wasn't like face a, to face. You know, like God, give me the things to say. You know, oh, yeah. And I, I think that's that's so powerful. I, I've said many times that I think as followers of Jesus, you know, really we have this ability to operate on a level at anything we do that really the world is unfamiliar with. We've been given access to this advantage the Bible calls it through the Holy yeah, Spirit absolutely. that speaks to us and guides us and directs us, and so. You know, I know that, you know, through all of your, you know, years of work that, you know, the Holy Spirit was guiding those words and, and directing you. And um, so that, that's amazing. Maybe, maybe could you talk a little bit more about um, how, to, how to handle maybe a situation you don't have a whole lot of control over? As you were talking, I was just thinking like, wow, he sounds like if I was in that position, I'd need a counselor myself yeah. just to, <laughs> just to kind of help me like, because, yeah. because I'm kind of a fixer, and so like not knowing what to do, like how do you kind of deal with? Maybe there's someone watching who has a family member that they, they know what they need to do, but don't know how to help that person, and just kind of feel helpless in that situation. Yeah, that's a great question because um, I learned uh, after a while that listening is huge, mm-hmm. um, and empathy, mm-hmm. care, compassion. I mean, pastor I means shepherd, right? That's what you guys do. So you love people and you're compassionate for people and you have empathy and, you know, you bring them to Jesus, but at the same time, you, you are Christ. So you're there and I found that listening, just listening, not being critical, not being judgmental, not thinking, well, I'm going to say this next. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. tell them about that intervention or I'm going to give them this paper. Or I'm gonna, mm-hmm. But more of just um, being present, <laughs> you know, and that's something that they emphasize in the counseling program is being present not doing your grocery list while you're talking to your patient, you know, or your client, mm-hmm. um, but being there and listening actively mm-hmm. so that you're engaged with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if people will do that, you know, and we're honestly, we're not very good listeners. I mean, I put myself in there. I, I need help with that. Mm-hmm. But if we would work on the listening skill, that would, that would be huge because people, what are they really, they're desiring to be heard, mm-hmm. you know, if they're calling you or they're reaching out to you, they're reaching out to you to be heard and affirmed yeah. and to be loved and encouraged. And the compassion that we share in Jesus is priceless to them. Yeah. It means everything at that moment to them. That's so good. So we reach out to them with those things. And it's a beautiful uh, moment. You can feel the spirit working in you. And when you, when you connect with them and you see the kind of the light bulb go on and you know that you've done something that is, you know, eternal perhaps even wow. uh, in their lives, that means so much. And I think that's what 
you know, hopefully, and I, I believe this because even as a pastor, I love this part is when you can connect with people and you see the light bulb go on and, right. and you realize that something significant has occurred in the, in the spirit world. Yeah. Uh, and that's amazing. Yeah. And uh, I know I know you guys love that because yeah. otherwise you'd be doing something else like selling cars or something <laughs> sure. or uh, shoes selling or whatever. Insurance. <laughs> insurance. <laughs> yeah, the so, uh, extended warranty. That's right, yeah. So I, I, I've sensed in society and really seen in society, there's a growing emphasis if you will, that I've seen even over the last couple of years of mental health and really um, books and, you know, Netflix documentaries and different things that are starting to come out. It seems as though um, the the mental health um, issue or crisis or challenges that we're having as a country are beginning to be a little more widely accepted or talked about or anything I know myself, even as this past year, I've been in, in, in some counseling. My, my counselor has told me that what he's seeing is, is that COVID has taken what already had been uh, the highest mental health numbers that our country had really seen before COVID, and they've just made that even worse uh, as people are locked away and you know as COVID has maybe accelerated some things in people's lives. What, what in your experience have you seen uh, as far as just the mental health issues across our country right now? So a lot of it, as you've already said, is isolation. Mm-hmm. So when you isolate people, it's going to exacerbate the symptomology they already have. Um, so I can tell you from the work that I do now, um, the, the telephone calls I get oftentimes are people who are isolated. Mm-hmm. They're not, there's no family, nobody to talk to. Um, they're um, what we used to call navel gazing. Some of it. They're looking. They're looking down at themselves, and they're trying to uh, understand why they're thinking the way they are, and why they're doing what they're doing. Some of them are quite mentally ill. Uh, that call us at, at various hours, and they just they just want to check in, or they just here's what I'm seeing, here's what I'm feeling. You know, they want to see if we, you know do a reality check with us. Mm-hmm. So, for the for the seriously mentally ill, we're definitely seeing an exacerbation of symptomology. Mm. Um, we're also seeing definitely an exacerbation of suicidality. Mm. So people are, are more uh, suicidal um, because they feel cut off. Um, they're not able to do the, the kind of activities that they're used to doing. Even after, you know, we've been in this for a year almost now, um, people are still unable to do the same things they did, you know, a year ago. Yeah. the gym or, you know, the tavern or, you know, going out to eat in a normal kind of way. And he goes, now we're all socially isolated and we're not, you don't feel connected to anything when you yeah. go someplace. So that has a lot to do with it, um, I believe, is, is just the isolative nature. Now, there's also a component of, of uh, science where we're getting to understand the brain better and that's happening more and more. There's going to come a time, I believe, in the future where we'll be able to dial in medications in such a way that uh, it'll just be, mm, this is the one. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of folks, they've had, I've done on this, and I've been on that, and I've been on this psychotropic, and I've been on this antipsychotic. Well, I, I think in time, because of the brain science that we have, we'll be able to dial that in a lot, uh, a lot more. So I think a lot of it is um, science. A lot of it is um, just kind of... Uh, uh, urban legend kind of things going on perhaps a lot of it is just the acknowledgement because we're isolated that maybe i'm got depression maybe i've got you know general anxiety disorder maybe i've got sure. so there's some of that too where you know now we have more time to think about what might be going on mentally 
and you're left alone with your feelings and your thoughts. And, and uh, talk to us, do you feel like um, technology, screen time, any of that kind of, of social media, do you feel like any of that plays a part in this whatsoever? Absolutely, because now, um, I was talking to Pastor Dan about this before, um, my work, I used to go to the hospitals and visit people. Now I don't get to do that. Yeah. Now it's all done through Zoom or WebEx or what have you. And so that connectedness is now not there. So what are we doing more? Well, I'm on the computer at least eight or nine hours a day, typing reports, doing assessments, paperwork of various kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're, we're on it more for one thing. And then because we're unable to visit people like we used to, we're, we're connecting through our devices more. Uh, we're doing Messenger more or Message or Facebook or what have you. We're doing that more because that's how we're able to connect. Now, it is not, as we know, it's not as good or as effective as a communication as what we're doing today. You know, this is, this is healthy. This is what we were created to do, um, not this. Right. You know, I love that cartoon. People go to heaven. They don't have their device, and they're wandering around. And <laughs> angels are like, "What? What? What is that guy doing? He's acting weird." Um, because we're just so connected to these things now. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a big part of what we're seeing. You know, and, and that's why we should be praying, <laughs> Lord, let's roll out this <laughs> this shot and get people better, please, quickly, yeah. so we can have some sense of norm- normalcy. Could you uh, Could you talk a little bit about through a parent's lens, just kind of. Um, maybe seeing your kids and this generation and maybe some of the changes. We, we read a book this, I think it was this summer, called The Ruthless Illumination of Hurry. It was hard to say. Harry. Harry. Um, hurry. But it, it kind of talked about how things have changed so drastically. Like when Edison invented a light bulb, that was a huge thing because sleep all of a sudden went downhill. And we, we used to just rely on the sun to tell us what time of day it was. And then when the iPhone came out, it was like a domino effect of all these things building up anxiety and yes. and just causing more, more issues. But maybe just talk like through your lens. I know even in my lifetime, like I've seen I've seen a huge change where when, when I had internet in high school, it was dial up and it was really slow <laughs> and you could only spend so much time on it without going crazy. But maybe talk about um, kind of the, the change that's happened and what you're seeing now being in counseling and being a parent, just kind of seeing all the changes. Well, certainly, um, I think babies born the next year will be born with a smartphone in their hand. And <laughs> so here's your smartphone. Welcome to our world and go out and be. It's, it's unfortunate, you know, because uh, I'm old enough to go, you know, we used to ride bicycles and we used to be out till the dusk. And we used to, and mom didn't care, like, go away, come back when it's dark, you know, and so I know where you're at. But but our kids nowadays, uh, they don't have that. Instead, they have their devices. And it is a problem because if we're not engaged with our children, they are going to be bombarded. 72% of kids have experienced cyberbullying. Mm. And this is something my own kid has experienced. Um, when you have other students telling your kid, hey, send me a nude picture. Mm. I mean, that's, that's alarming. It's yeah. like, w- w- What? What, what's going on? And so you have to have a, a really open communication with your children. And we know that there are apps and there are ways to police what our kids are consuming. And we have to take advantage of that. You know, we have common sense media. We have other sources like Focus on the Family that can help us 
police and and keep uh, informed on what our kids are consuming because they are consuming it. They are uh, just on those devices. And sometimes you have to go, hey, give me your device. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then they go get on their laptop, right? So, but, you know... (laughs) We have to be in, involved. Um, the time for uh, parenting um, far is over, you know, and we don't want to be helicopter kid, parents where we're just, you know, but at the same time, we, we, we have got to be involved and we've got to ask those questions. What are you looking at? And, and be able to, you know, give me that. I want to see what you're doing, right. um, which, you know, they'll go, Dad, I don't, my invasion, my privacy or whatever. Um, but we need to know what they're consuming. And there are, um, as we, we know, there are, people out there wanting to get our kids and do terrible things to them. And we need to be very much aware that those chat rooms and places they go could be predators that are trying to, to get our children. So uh, this is not a time for us to be timid as parents. It's a time for us to be involved and engaged. So good. So with the increase of, and specifically today, we're talking about, you know, this idea of fasting uh, technology, social media, entertainment, screen time, you know, whatever yeah. it is you want to call it. Um, do you feel like in your experience scientifically that um, that screen time, technology, social media is causing a rise in mental health issues? And what does that look like if so? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's creating more anxiety and more depression and stress. And why is that? Because I look on social media and Bob just got a new boat. Well, I don't have a new boat. Yeah. Or, or Frank just went to Europe. I mean, I, we know that because of COVID, these things aren't happening as much. But comparing ourselves is not healthy. And so we see people in this positive light. They're posting things that are, are, are not behind the scenes. They're posting things of their best face. Now, I personally suck in my gut every time <laughs> I, I get a picture because, you know, I want to look good and I have a smile. So it's, it's fake and fraudulent even though it looks like, oh, they are having a great time. Mm-hmm. Their, their lives are fine and wonderful. So we compare ourselves, which is extremely unhealthy. Now, so when we fast from social media, uh, we get a reset. Uh, and that's what I got out of it. Now, uh, I was a little concerned that I would miss out on something. You know, uh, something was going to happen with somebody and I wouldn't get to know what that was. Uh, I found out that wasn't the case. So six weeks later, coming back to it, um, <laughs> I didn't miss anything. Yeah. And it's like, it could just go back in and, and people were doing whatever. Uh, so a rise in mental health, I believe, is, is partially because of that comparison and and the consuming and i talked about that before where uh they want to keep you on your device they want to reel you in more and more because you know it's designed for that people got to understand there's psychology behind all of these apps they're designed to get money from you or get time from you or get whatever they're after from you whether it's personal information whatever Uh, and so we have to be aware of that and, you know, I think a lot of what we can do to combat it is have an awareness that behind all these things is, uh, is an intelligence and a purpose. And they're wanting to do something and they want to get something out of you. It's like I realized today a lot of what I'm reading in the news is inflammatory in its narrative. Yeah. They're using words 
to to make you angry and to get you, you know, upset and anxious or what have you. Yeah. So we realized that there's there's a psychology behind that, you know, uh, and I believe that the enemy, uh, our enemy, the devil, works behind the scenes in that realm. And so we have to be very careful uh, about what we're viewing and about what we're doing in that realm because the God of this age is definitely engaged in that and involved in what's happening there. What's the physiology behind what happens when we're bombarded by those things? You mentioned the news and and them using language that evokes an emotion from us. And then we we go on Instagram and they they flood us with likes that or not likes that we didn't get that we wanted to get. And then we go on Facebook and people are arguing with each other and literally within a two-minute time frame with this device, we yeah. could literally run the gamut of emotions that immediately flood to the brain. What what does that do to us yeah. over time? So we know uh, from what I've read, probably 10 to 15% of people are, are struggling with an addictive part of this. They can't quit. Yeah. Uh, and it has a lot to do with the dopamine rushes um, and, and in habits. Uh, so people, you know take their phone to the bathroom. <laughs> it's exactly. a habit, right? Yeah. That's what they do. And you get involved in this habit. You know, now my wife put guideposts in the bathroom. So this is good. Uh, so you got something else to do. You know, should I even talk about bathroom? I probably shouldn't talk about bathrooms. <laughs> hey, real talk on the podcast. We <laughs> this all happens it. on of life and leisure all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, I, I, to come back to the topic. Um, yeah, if we don't... Uh, understand this and understand the possibilities of what can happen, we can develop an addiction to these things. And it's the process addiction is just like gambling or pornography. It's, it's the same kind of thing where you, it's a trigger and it's a cycle and you start thinking about it. And before you know it, you're doing it and then you feel terrible. And then it, it goes right back to, you know, you relax and I'm not going to do that again. And then, then you're back on it, you know? And so what we have to do is, is, is change the behavior. And what, we do to change the behavior is we create a different habit. We create something to cut that uh, cycle that we experience. So for me, I'll share for me personally, um, that was taking my smartphone and charging it somewhere else besides beside my bed. Hmm. Okay. So now it's, it, I don't have access to it within arm's reach. Yeah. That needed to happen so that I'm not on there disrupting my sleep because Screen time disrupts our sleep. Lights disrupt our sleep. It's just how it is. It's how we're wired. So we need to cut that off 30 minutes to an hour before we lay down to, to take our rest. And putting things like, oh, on my nightstand now I have books, you know, or I have the Bible. So I, I'm, it's there. Well, what am I going to do before I go to sleep? Because I usually I watch, you know, I look at social media. Well, you're going to, you know, you're going to do something. So instead of the habit of looking at my social media, I'm looking at God's word. Or I'm looking at a book that I, I need to read. Um, or I'm looking at a devotional so that I'm feeding the spirit man instead of the flesh, which is about comparing and consuming and those kind of things. So, you know, part of it, like I said, is just realization of the source, um, which is something, you know, for me personally, I had to realize that, you know, there's a source there and, and there's an enemy there. And I need to be vigilant to not let that into my life. Yeah. To, to kind of just confirm like what you're saying, I was found this passage in the Bible that was talking about anxiety in Luke 12. And 
it just kind of, it was interesting because I saw something I didn't see before where Jesus is telling this, this parable of this man who's looking for all these things. And it, it says something like, and, and the moment he pursues this, he starts to think this is going to bring me joy. This right. is going to bring me satisfaction. Right. And, and, and he just says this line, you fool, mm-hmm. you think this is going to bring you peace. And right. I think kind of something similar happens where, um, kind of with our phones and technology, it's yeah. like we, we feel like we're going to miss out on something right. if we're not on it, if we don't spend more time on that. And I actually wrote this down in that book I referenced earlier. It says this, just being in the same room as our phones, it's proven to reduce our working memory and problem-solving skills. We're, we're so True. focused on what we don't have that we can't enjoy what's in front of us and we're what we're missing that, but maybe you could just kind of talk through, um, this is kind of about fasting technology, yeah. but maybe talk a little bit about the detox of, of putting your phone down or, or I, I've started to use the, I forget what it's called. The, the things that kind of block apps for a certain amount of the downtime, right. mm-hmm. um, maybe kind of talk right. what, what goes on and the benefits of not having our phones with us 24 seven. Well, I think there, there'll be, a reset of in the brain that won't it won't happen automatically you know we're talking about tolerance here which is a, an addictive term tolerance is where it takes more and more of something to get the same high hmm. so if you're really connected to you know social media or you're connected to your vi- device you'll find you know if it's a problem for you you're spending more and more time on it um so you got to understand that when you stop something or stop a behavior, there's going to be a burst. Uh, hmm. We call it a behavior burst. So there's going to be like, uh, you know, I really need to, and, and your flesh is going to go, mm, it's like I need chocolate pie. But it's kind of the same thing where, uh, I, I, you know, and you're just, I want to know, I wonder what's going on with Kevin. I want to know, yeah, he's supposed to be going through a hard time or he's supposed to be getting something. They're on vacation. I want to see the pictures, you know, those kind of things. And so there's going to be this burst where your mind is like, oh, you know, I really should be uh, using my device right now. I really should be. And so there's going to be a behavior burst where you're going to long for that more. And it takes about three days of not doing something before we see something good come out of it. Mm-hmm. So that means no usage for three oh. days. And then they say it takes 21 days to 90 days to make a new habit. So that's just the beginning. You know, if you're really understanding that what you're doing with your technology is is affecting your daily functioning. When I talk about daily functioning, we're talking about sleep. We're talking about, am I feeding myself correctly? Am I just grabbing the tater tots and burger because, you know, I want to get back onto whatever it is I'm doing with my device. Uh, we're talking about uh, relationships, you know, when you have your spouse or your kids or somebody saying, look, you're checked out. You know, I want to, you know, let's go do something else besides you being there and doing that thing. Um, when that happens, that's part of functioning. Hey, is it affecting your work? Because if it's affecting your work, and, and I know people, you know, even at my job site, they have to get their phone away from them because, you know, they're doing it on the computer and then, bzz, 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 you know, and there's this thing called uh, phantom uh, vibration. <laughs> vibration <Yeah. syndrome. laughs> Which, we're, you know, those are new terms we have to come up with. Phantom vibration syndrome, you know. When I think of phantom, I thought of, of people I used to work with that would lose a limb and they'd have what's called phantom pain. You know, there's no, no, no appendage there, but they'd have phantom pain. So now we have phantom vibration syndrome. So we have to realize that there's going to be some trouble uh, initially. Um, but here's the thing that I think 
we forget. We have an advocate. The mm. Holy Spirit is with us. Mm. And if we call on the name of Jesus, guess what? He's going to empower us to do what we need to do to get healthier. Yeah. He's going to help us. Mm. And also what we need to do is, is, is have relationships with people. You know, the first thing we do when we have a problem is we isolate. It's a male problem, right? Men <laughs> to isolate. Yeah. Oh, and people know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and that's what we do. But we need each other, you know, and it's time to reach out to a brother, you know. It's like Pastor Ray calling me last night. It was a perfect timing. Jesus knew it because I was really nervous about this. I was like, oh, my goodness, there's so much stuff I need to look at and read and, and develop. And, uh, and Pastor Ray prayed for me. And it's like that, that relationship, that prayer is what I needed. And I think that's going to be the benefit to help people get away from uh, an addiction of this nature. Now, I think there's probably Celebrate Recovery Groups. If there isn't one yet, there probably will be some that will show up for technology. Hmm. Uh, It just seems to be that's where we're going to end up going. So anxiety, depression, stress, all of the many things that uh, go along with overuse of technology. And I'm talking about overuse where it's affecting daily functioning. Um, Those are going to be concerning and need to be addressed. Wow. What? Maybe to give you a second, I want to kind of talk about what could be some signs that you may have either a slight addiction or moderate or even heavy addiction to technology. Um, And maybe you can think about that. But I think even for me personally, uh, this is something that I think even in the past few weeks has, has just hit me hard because as I, as I've prepared for this 21 days of prayer and fasting, the Holy spirit really laid it in my heart to go one week without any, any technology screens at all. So this next coming week, my family and I are going to do that um, after this is released. But in kind of preparing for that, I I started kind of like testing the waters to see what that would be like. And I disabled, you know, all of my Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube from my phone for, you know, a number of days this past week. And I, I found myself, and that's why I honestly, you know, believe that I, I have developed a slight level of addiction to these things because I, I found myself not missing the content that I found on Instagram or Facebook. I found myself not missing uh, even being up to date with like we had talked about with what was happening in the world or with other people. I found myself just reaching for my phone to just scroll through anything. Right. And I, I found myself like looking at the silliest things. I would open Amazon and just like scroll through aimlessly what kind of deals I could get on Amazon. Or I found myself just going even to the Bible app, which is healthy, but not really even. I just like my, I wanted something on my screen yeah. and I was craving that. And it was like, all of a sudden, like, oh, my goodness, like, there is something seriously wrong here. And so, obviously, I'm going to do the work to figuring that out. But what could be some symptoms that those listening may have to evaluate? Do I actually have a concerning, even slight bit of addiction to some sort of uh, stimulation from a screen? Well, I think uh, you you hit on something that, is true for all of us because we're all using this stuff now and we use it a lot. So if you're going to stop using it, you're definitely going to sense that something's missing. It's that phantom, you know, uh, 
phantom pain, phantom simulation, stimulation yeah, syndrome, desire. Is that desire is that. And so, you know, doing a dry run what, like what you're doing uh, is a good thing because you, you're going to have to figure out what are the triggers? What is making me want to do this? Mm. Boredom? Well, I need to find something else to do, you know, besides this. Is that reading? Some people aren't readers. Is it time to put on the jacket and go outside and get some fresh air? Okay, maybe that. Is it time, you know, this is still using your phone, but should I call somebody? Yeah. And maybe go have coffee or something? You know, is it is it time to, to break that uh, cycle, you know? Um, and I think that's, how would you know? It's when you're trying and you find yourself struggling. Mm. There's got to be something going on. If I'm going to fast from this and I find myself thinking about it, being triggered by it, like something's missing and I'm missing out on something, then it's time for a healthy break like what you're experiencing, you know. Is it is it safe to assume, you mentioned a word earlier that I can't remember, but is it safe to assume that over time, like for instance with boredom, that we like an addiction, we we temper things based upon a, a, a constantly moving standard of boredom, if that makes sense. So, for instance, um, you know, we are, you know, five years ago, boredom was um, different than what it is now yeah. because we've, we've slowly, our tolerance, I think maybe was the word you use, our tolerance for boredom over time as all of this stuff is at our fingertips now right. has gotten lower and lower and lower. And I find myself sometimes, guys, I'm just being real, where I am watching a television show on TV and there is something happening and I am not, I am not entertained enough. And I then have to grab Instagram to watch this television show while I'm also scrolling through Instagram because right. that it's like a hit, you know, it like is. my tolerance level for that boredom has changed right. over time. And is there truth to that? Absolutely. You know, like I say, you know, uh, you get a dopamine hit yeah. every time you, you know, you get a like. And, and, and this you is need more dopamine. Yeah, this yeah. has been, yeah, of course we like it. It's the feel good uh, neurotransmitter. I feel better. Oh, yeah. Hey. You know, and it's the same uh, neurotransmitters used during sex and eating, you know, these kind of things that are pleasant for us, right. exercise. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. And we get we get kind of, we, we get used to that. You know, we live in a society of instant gratification. So we're no longer having to wait. You know, Amazon's a great example. You know, in a day or two, I can have stuff. You right. know, I don't. I don't have to go shopping anymore. It's going to be at my door in a day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's almost like instantaneous gratification and it is rewiring our brains uh and we don't know to what degree yet i mean there's a lot of articles and there's a lot of uh, research being done but we have to realize that this is becoming just in the last like you say five years this is becoming a problem more and more for folks um most of the articles I read are, you know, they say, well, these are terrible things that it does to you, but here's the benefits, right? <laughs> right. Because, you know, now you're connected and, and you can um, you can use uh, the phone in a way that you're, you're, not, sure. you're not doing all these other things. Maybe you're being selective mm-hmm. about who you're following. And uh, I, had a, I had a brother last night, you know, I didn't see his Facebook post. So he sent me a message, Right. Because I didn't see his post, so he sent me a message. Well, maybe we need to do more messaging instead of this other thing so that we can communicate. Yeah. Yeah. 
just just a side note, as we were talking, I got a text message, and I am dying to read it right now. <laughs> I, and I, I, I just, mode. I honestly, Ooh. I honestly can't stop thinking. Like, should I open it or, or should I just leave it? And I, ahead, I'm bro. just like realizing, oh, this is this is the problem <laughs> I have. Yeah. Um, but but maybe I was just kind of wanted to uh, think about this, maybe through the the pastor lens now. Um, um, just kind of thinking about the spiritual benefits of fasting entertainment, social media, like, may, is it possible that maybe we're missing some of the things that God wants to say yeah. to us because we're so distracted by right. comparing to, to somebody else or all, right. all the other things going on in our right. world right now? Right. Well, here's the thing uh, I realized, and, and Pastor Jordan preached about this not too long ago. Uh, Elijah's up in his cave, right? And so... You have earthquake and you have fire and you have wind and, and God's not in those things. But then there's this quiet voice. How are we going to hear the Lord's voice if we're constantly listening to something else? We're constantly being bombarded by other things that are distracting us from, from the Lord. Mm. So uh, prayer time is hugely important. Um, at one point, time I was a student of Pilates, which is an exercise that focuses on breathing and muscle groups. Okay. Um, focusing on breathing, you realize that's elemental. That's that's a basic form of life. Mm -hmm. And so I learned a discipline through that, you know, that my breath and just being able to control that uh, it helps me also focus on the Lord, yeah. you know, uh, because I can settle myself and clear my mind. Mm -hmm. And now I can, I can speak to the Lord and I can reach out to the Lord. Uh, Multitasking is something that, that we think we're good at. We find that we do all these different things at one time. It doesn't make us good at any of them. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to be able to set aside uh, the things that are confusing us and that are bombarding us in order to really focus in on what the Lord wants to do. And that's yeah. through his word. We have to actually engage in it. Yeah. What, what, um, so we've kind of talked about, you know, the, the, there's a, a dopamine aspect to this, an addictive aspect to this. There's a there's an entertainment aspect. There's an emotional roller coaster of all of the feelings that we get from this screen time and entertainment and all of that. We kind of slightly touched on your time frames as far as three days without something to detox and and all of that. And so if, if we kind of assume that maybe many of us that are watching, uh, many of us probably in this country are struggling with some of these things, really, whether we know it or not. Um, where, What are some takeaways? Uh, what are some real-life um, steps that we can take through fasting specifically um, that you would would recommend? Is it is it a seven-day detox and then go back to life as usual and maybe once a month we need to do this detox? Is what what should life really look like? Using maybe this fast as as an example of of moving forward, what what recommendations would you give to not only to try to detox, but then to live free, but also understanding that these things are also a way of life? Is there a way to live in balance? Is there a way to continually manage? Uh, the the addiction and the you know the things that are happening um, and what would that fast and what would that lifestyle look like um, from your your perspective? I think uh, it requires some baby steps probably for us. Um, maybe start with some hours. I mean, if you really 
that connected. Yeah. Maybe start with one day a week. Um, I know people that fast from food one day a week. How about fasting from media one day a week? Mm-hmm. Leave the TV off, leave everything off. If it's possible to do that, yeah. you know, some people, like I say, they work from their computer, so it's really difficult. But maybe on Saturday, on your day off, turn it off. And let's, let's be examples to our kids. Yeah. And, and let's put it all, you know, there used to be the basket. Come in the house, put your thing in the basket so we can have dinner and talk. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that needs to continue on where we can do yeah. that and not be plagued by the device going off. Yeah. So start like maybe with one day. Um, I, as I said before, I took about six weeks off. Uh, I came back. I felt a lot better. I realized I was talking about how it grieved me, the things that were going on. But also it was causing me anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. uh, seeing these things and, and being involved uh, in, in viewing and in reading what people were saying about each other back and forth. Um, so when I came back, I realized something. I was more in control. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I still am. I have more control over what I do after doing that fast. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it will help bring balance to what we do. If we can just step away and maybe start small, uh, like some hours in the day, or, or set a time before you go to bed. Look, 9 o'clock, the phone is off. It's plugged in somewhere else so that I can get the rest I need because we know that lack of sleep is going to cause depressive feelings, anxiety and all these other kinds of things that are health issues mm-hmm. that are a major plague in our time. Mm-hmm. So taking baby steps, setting some goals. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Here's what my family needs to do. And, and prepare some, some things in advance mm-hmm. because if you're going to step away from this thing, you need something else to fill that spot. Yeah. That's just kind of how behaviors are. Mm-hmm. We have to find uh, something else to fill that spot. That's why people that come away from gambling addiction end up using, you know, substances, sure. you know, because they're <laughs> filling in that empty spot with something else. Well, mm-hmm. we have the greatest thing to fill our empty spots, which is time with Jesus and time in his word. Mm-hmm. Huge. And a lot of a lot of good reading out there that we can get involved in. Sure. And that that's the whole point of fasting. We said last week to go without so that you can replace it with something greater, with the, the deeper things of God. And um so I, I love that. You even mentioned once a week. I, I think, you know, I've even been, you know, we mentioned, mentioned this book that we both have read, and um, I've been kind of digging into a return to, we haven't preached it a whole lot in church recently, but the Sabbath, you know, and, and really this was something that God had commanded of us to, to take the Sabbath. On the seventh day, he rested. And uh, I think that, you know, again, jumping to speculation possibly, but in the, in the 21st century that we live in, you know, I, I wonder personally if, if Jesus would want us to, to fast some, some of this entertainment, some of these coping mechanisms that, that maybe we now are, are accustomed to in our generation that weren't around, you know, in those days. Right. Um, but I, I know that when I, do everything I can once a week to push away from all of this technology, the screens, the entertainment, the social media, I I find myself in just a much better place. If I can once a week, just like you said, break that cycle. Um, And, and I think, you know, through, through different scenarios that we can justify in our minds, work being one of them, um, 
you know, well, I, I've got to always be with my phone in case I get a work email or, you know, I've always got to, you know, a lot of as pastors, I think, especially in this COVID world, uh, we talk about really social media is like kind of our buildings these days. This is right. You know, we, we meet in a building to to meet with people and to and really social media has become a building or a vehicle for a lot of ministry that, that we do. And right. But still trusting God enough to push away from those things at least once a week right. is a real discipline that I know God is is calling me to in this next season. Um, and I, I just know, even at night, that's been something my wife and I have started doing um, is, you know, we've made it a little even earlier than nine, I think like six o'clock, I go, I go put my phone away. And um, I mean, it is wild, just the, the relief that I feel in my spirit when my phone is in another room. Right. I mean, it is, I'm just telling you, I, I personally am on this journey with all of you right now. Right. Um, because this is something over the last few weeks that I've, I've just been really navigating. And I'm telling you, I can go from having this right on the stand next to my chair at home, done with work for the day, mm-hmm. feeling like this slight anxious, you know, anxiousness in myself. Right. And I go put that phone wherever in a drawer in my bathroom and all of a sudden it's like I can breathe deeper I feel this like this weight that's lifted off of me all of a sudden and um and I'm telling you there there's something to this there really is um and as we as a as a country and I think it's going to take some discipline um you know we preached about this this past week that that many times I find that the promises of God come with some assembly required Right, um, and and one of those points was that uh, the promises of God are going to take some work, some construction, right? And um, and I think that this is something also that, like we found, I'm sure with your six weeks of being off social yeah. media, with me pushing away from these things, it takes a level of of discipline to actually do it, you know, and not yes. justify these things in our mind. And you just be like, you know what, I'm I'm going to trust God enough to to make sure that I'm going to be okay even though I don't know what's happening in the world right. potentially or that I'm going to be okay even though I may have to reply to a text message 12 hours later. You know, the world is going to keep spinning. Things are going to keep going. Right. And I'm going to discipline myself enough to go without, to push these things away so they don't control me, but I control them. And uh, I, I just think that as we can make that shift, hopefully, and, and honestly, we encourage um, you know, I think that's where we're going to land is we encourage everyone to find a way to even through baby steps to fast some of these things over the next uh, week, even right. um, as we're in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Fasting food is important. We learned last week that it helps both our spiritual selves and our, mm-hmm. our physical bodies. And, and I think technology is another one of those. And so um, yeah. maybe any just closing remarks or any thoughts, but um, yeah. I'm just seeing so much uh, value in this personally. So yeah, um, I, I just was kind of thinking about this as you brought up um, finding something else to cope when you're when you remove something, just kind of filling that with some some other thing. I, when COVID happened, I I was one of those people that I was I'm not always going to the gym, but that was a season where <laughs> I was going to the gym, right. and then it was just over, just like that, and. 
I haven't been back since. Um, <laughs> but but I, I kind of realized at that point I need to find something to replace because I, I know if I'm not doing something physical on a daily basis, my, I start to get stressed. It, it just yeah. seems to happen. And I know in the, the church world we, we talk about getting the word and pray and Yes, obviously that's that that's our main thing, but but also along with that, I've noticed that I need something physical to kind of fill that. So I just started playing basketball in, in my neighborhood just on a regular basis because I had nothing else to do. It's mm-hmm. like I can go on twelve walks a day, or I'll, I'll go to the park, and and so I've just kind of learned. Uh, I think what you said about coping is, is so important and so helpful, and just finding y- your thing that's going to work and. Uh, I think a physical physical activity, whether it's going to the gym or running or even just going on a walk, I, I think I think is a huge part of uh, of just kind of saying no to this thing and then saying yes to something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you have to plan for it mm-hmm. for that to happen. So, well, yeah. yeah, and that and that's that's another thing. You know, everybody's different. You know, mm-hmm. basketball is not my thing, but yeah. walking is. I can go for a brisk walk with my wife, and that's another thing. I was thinking. Uh, as you were talking, is like if you have a partner, it really helps. Yeah. So if your spouse is on board, hey, this is what we're going to do. You agree? Yes. You hold mm-hmm. each other accountable. And that's huge. You know, we used to call these things when I was a clinical supervisor, uh, electronic callers, you know, like caller, yeah, yeah. right? Because they follow you wherever you go. So mm-hmm. we need to, to realize that, that that can be a problem for us and put it aside. Um, there's some scriptures I'd like to, to read. I wrote them down because I don't want to misquote them. That's <laughs> and I'm... I'm I don't, I don't remember so, so well sometimes, but Philippians 4, 8, you know, whatsoever is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, a good report. If there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Hmm. And a lot of what we get through our devices is none of those things. Right. Yeah. And so we have to dwell on those things, you know. Uh, and also, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things we may not find on our devices, um, but those are the things that the Lord wants us to focus and dwell on. You know, is what I'm getting praiseworthy or is it ugly and nasty? You know, um, then I need to think on something else because that's going to lead me to having symptomology. Yeah. So we have to be very careful. What, maybe just as we close, what what would you tell everyone, um, you know, what what what's your one sort of beckoning cry, if you will, for people listening. Um, you know, I, I even think of of the people that, you know, maybe say, well, I, I don't have a problem with that, but they're not necessarily taking any steps to avoid having a problem with that. Do you feel like, you know, that, that without steps taken at this point that we're probably going to default to having issues with these things um, in our lives? Or do you feel like there can still, you know, be people who, you know, f- have it under control, if, if you will? Or do you feel like your, your beckoning cry is, listen, please, whatever, you know, what, what would you say to people? Well, I was thinking about this um, because generationally, uh, it's not such a problem for old people like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the young ones, uh, where they have multiple platforms, uh, and I couldn't name them all. I mean, I've heard of this TikTok thing. I don't know what that is, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, and I guess it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them, it's going to be more uh, of a concern. And I think we have to really uh, be uh, in relationship. This is why what you do and have done and the youth uh, program. I know you're not 
probably doing that now because you're doing this more. But for the younger folks, mm -hmm. uh, the young marrieds even, they're going to need more involvement at this level because uh, it's not going away and we can't uh, go back you know, in the past and start over. These, these devices are integral part of our lives and it's like, uh, what would you do without it? Right. Uh, well, when you fast, you'll find out, uh, you'll do other things. Yeah. Uh, but is it going to continue to be a problem? Yes, I think it will. Um, I know I read that there was a crazy high percentage of students over the last years that they said they wanted to be a YouTuber when they grow it up. Sure. Yeah, it was the number up. one yeah. um, desired profession for Gen Z. Yeah, a YouTube influencer yeah. or something, you know, and it's like, to think of that being something that would be on an, on even a list, even even just five years ago, yeah. And um, and so I, I definitely think that this is one of those things um, that, like you said, moving forward gets more important and more important and more important almost every year that goes by, right? Um, and uh, and finding balance in that, and so right. Um, yeah, love it. Any yeah. other closing thoughts before we're, we're done? Awesome. Well, Sean, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. Um, church, we, we really encourage you guys over the, the next coming weeks to to find a way to um, to even, like we talked about, test the waters a little bit. Um, I, I love that as, a, as an idea of like, do I, do I have any issues here? Uh, man, try to go a day without turning the TV on or without social media or without any sort of uh, screen time and, and see as, as kind of a litmus test, what that looks like. Right. And, uh, and then honestly, I think, you know, to, to find a way to, to do something from there, if you, if you're not happy with those results, then, uh, then be a part of doing something. I think we had a lot of takeaways from this of, uh, maybe one day a week, three days, seven days, as yeah. long as you need to sort of break that cycle and then make it a part of your rhythm from there to not let it get bad again and so yeah awesome i thought that was amazing thanks yeah, so much thank for joining so much, us sean, sean. that was, was incredible hey thanks thanks again guys we will see you again next week have a good day